good to see you guys. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now uh, on the internet or at an off-site campus in the uh, chapel, uh, students in the warehouse. We're glad that you guys are along with us today. And uh, go Broncos. And uh, that's really all I'm going to say about that. I'm so excited about today, not just the game. I'm, I'm more excited about church than I am the game. Just excited about what we're going to share with you guys today. Um, are you, like in my family, like I can't keep a secret. How many of you are kind of like me? I, family, will, we got to keep this, they just won't tell me. And, uh, and so, and so the, the church staff uh, said you got to keep a secret up till today. And I've leaked a lot, but, um, but uh, can you say first Wednesday? But uh, I'm so excited to share what we're going to share today. Let, let, uh, you know, we've been in a series where we're uh, talking about the values of our church. Um, we talked the first week about finding God and growing in our faith and discovering our purpose. And today we're going to talk about how to make a difference. And uh, how many of you have ever had a time in your life where somebody made a difference in your life. Anybody M- made a difference in your life? Maybe coach, friend, you know, parent, whatever. I've definitely had a lot of those. Uh, you have made a difference in my life uh, in a, a big way. Obviously, uh, one is let me share this message. Dad told the o- earlier service, we did a coin flip last week because we both wanted to share this one so bad. And the coin didn't flip like it happened in that game, you know, and so we're, we're just going to do it together. We're just going to do it together. Uh, but, but I think about, when I think about somebody who's made a difference in my life, I think about one of your best friends, uh, Billy Hornsby, who's mm-hmm. passed away. Um, but I, I had been fired uh, when I was about 18 years old from uh, the church. And it's one thing to get fired from a church, but when you get fired from the church that your dad leads, that's even more <laughs> embarrassing. Um, you deserved it. I probably did. <laughs> Another story for another time, but uh, I, I was working in a restaurant, uh, managing a restaurant, kind of pursuing a career in that direction. I was 21 years old, and Billy Hornsby called me, and he said, Josh, I want you and Lisa to come out of the house. And so we came out and had breakfast with him and his wife, Charlene. I remember after some discussion about what was in my heart, what we were doing, where life was, he looked at me and he said, Josh, I know you've given up on that dream, but I believe you're called to ministry, and I want you to consider, I want you to pray about uh, joining the team and, and giving this another shot. And that, that was a conversation that I don't know how much he knew at the time what it meant to me, but it drastically changed the direction of my life. I certainly wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today if it weren't for that conversation. And you probably have somebody who's said a word of encouragement to you, maybe believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself. Uh, maybe someone that just showed up at the right time when, 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 when you needed a friend and were there for you. We all can relate to having somebody make a difference in our lives. But I think an even better question for us today is, Uh, Do you remember a time when you did something or said something that made a difference in the lives of of somebody else? Do you? Do you remember doing something that made a difference? Maybe you gave them something or showed up for them. I love seeing Seacoasters set up GoFundMe accounts for other friends who are hurting, but you've done something and, and, and it made a difference, an impact in somebody else's life. Do you remember how that made you feel? See, I believe that every one of us that are here today and all of our campuses, God has hardwired us with, with a desire to make a difference, for our lives to matter. We want our church to be a church that makes a difference. We've talked about these priorities of finding God and growing your faith and discovering your purpose, all of which are very important, but I think all of which point to this fourth one, which is that, that we want to make a difference. We don't want to be just a church that helps people find God and, and leaves them there. We don't want to be a church that grows inward 
as we grow and, and, and becomes consumed with just ourselves, we want to be a church that, man, the cities that we're in, whatever campus a Seacoast church is planted in, we want that city to say, man, I am glad Seacoast is there. I'm glad that person lives in my neighborhood because they're, they're concerned about making a difference in our community. That's what we're about. Uh, scripture is full of verses that speak to our, our, our wiring to make a difference. One of my favorites is Ephesians 2.10. says that we are God's masterpiece. You may want to turn to your neighbor and say, you're a masterpiece. Don't pick up a date though. Come on, not, not the right time. But it says he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. And it doesn't stop there though. It says so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God's planned good things. He's planned for your life to matter, to make a difference. Hebrews 13, 16 says, don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. The Bible speaks to this, this innate desire that we have to make a difference. And I want you to pull your outline sheet out. And the first page of your outline sheet are some notes under making a difference. Uh, this was gonna be a really great message, uh, one of the best ones I've written, but we're not gonna do this one today because uh, we have some pretty exciting things that, as Dad said, we, we've been waiting, we wanna share with you, we wanna get to it. And so let me sum up the first page of your outline sheet with this. I believe that all of us are called to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people who also wanna make a difference. And there are all kinds of great ways to do that. There are great causes out there. Uh, my family has been involved deeply in several causes. My wife was on staff with an organization that fights human trafficking, and we believe in lots of great causes. The unborn child, and our, and our church is involved in a lot of great causes. But here's what I believe, and I, I can say this with confidence because of what the Bible shows us and what we've been able to experience. If you want your life to make a difference, if you want your life to matter, there is no greater cause to be connected to and involved in than the local church. The local church is something that Jesus established. Uh, Jesus promised that the gates of hell would never prevail against it. Jesus promised to, to, to he, he died for the church. He's continued to build his church. He said, I will build my church. And in the 2,000 years since Jesus walked this earth, the church has done nothing but advance and, and, and forcefully advance the kingdom of God. And, and by the way, Jesus is going to come back for the local church. And so is it flawed? Does it have issues? Absolutely. But it is the greatest place for us to invest our time and energy and resources in if we want to make our lives matter. And we're going to invite you to continue to make a difference in the, in the life of this expression of the local church. And before we do that, why don't you uh, take us through what's next? Or we could just skip straight to it. But oh, I'd like it. to see. The reason that we had to skip that first part is Josh wrote the first part, I wrote the second part. <laughs> I've been here longer, so we're going to do the second part. Okay? <laughs> So turn your outline sheet over, and here's what I want to do. Before we kind of tell you what's up, I want to give a biblical basis for it and build your faith just a little bit. I want to tell you a story that's in all four of the Gospels. If it's in, it, maybe you don't know this, but uh, very few stories are in all four Gospels. This one is, which me means it's very, very important. We can learn some incredible things. It's a story of the feeding of the 5,000. Remember that one? Let me, let me read it. <laughs> so Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Here's what they're saying. They're saying, Jesus, your sermon's too long. That sounds familiar. Okay, so 
He said, they, they said, send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough food or money to buy the food for all of these people. Here's what I want to do. I want to take that story just for maybe eight minutes. And let's, let's get three principles on, uh, on, on how you can make a difference and what it means to make a difference. Here, here's how you make a difference. Number one, take a quick inventory. Take a quick inventory. Ask yourself two questions. What have I got and how am I using it? What have I got and how am I using it? Look at, look at what the next verse says. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. And so here's what he's telling him. He's saying, go to this crowd, 5,000. Actually, it's, that's just men. That scholars believe that there were probably, with women and children, 15 to 20,000 people. So he's telling them, go out and find out how much bread we've got. Everybody always carries a little bread with them. In 15 to 20,000 people. That's what he said. Okay? And so they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. How do you think some people hid their food? Huh? <coughs> They're not telling the truth. That's all you've got. And what we're going to find out is that came from one person. Why did Jesus ask that? This is the guy that can create something from nothing. Boom, like this. This is the guy that can rain bread out of heaven, for goodness sakes. Because he, he wants to start with what you and I have. You take what you have, even if you need more of it, and you give it to him. If you need more time, take the time that you have, give some of it to him. If you need energy, give it to him. If you need relationships, money, talent, whatever it happens to be, you give it to him. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. How would you have liked to have been one of them with that responsibility? Have you ever had too many people show up for a meal? Anybody ever had that happen? In, like Thanksgiving or whatever, you got to cut the turkey, slice it again and again. Well, they had an extra 15 to 20,000 people. And he says, you feed them, you feed them. And for the disciples, that's impossible. It's impossible in every way, physically, financially, every way it's impossible. Has God ever asked you to do something impossible? If you're a believer and you've been a believer very long, I'll guarantee you that he has. Why? Because he wants to stretch you. That's one of the ways you grow in your faith. And so if you want to make a difference, just be honest and say, what do I have and what am I going to do with it? Here's the second way if you want to make a difference. Give God something to work with. Give God something to work with. The disciple Andrew goes out into the crowd and he says, anybody got any food that they're willing to share? I mean, can you see this? They're going, they're, all these people, you got, got it? I don't have anything. Yeah. It's a little guy with a sack lunch. Mom probably packed it for him. He's got five muffins. He's got two dried fish. He says, you know, it's really not very much. Probably won't go very far. But if you want to use it, it's yours. And he becomes the hero of the story, not because he had the best lunch, because I'll bet there were other people that had stuff too. Some guy's got a bottle of wine. Oh, I don't put this over here. I don't want him to see that, you know. They else got a lean cuisine because they're fasting, you know. Somebody's got an Outback gift card or a Carabas card. I don't want to give that, you know. He didn't have the best. He didn't have the biggest. But he said, it's all I got. 
and he became a hero. God uses whatever I give to him. Look how he used this. So taking the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. He broke the loaves, and then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people, and he divided the two fish among everybody. Just keeps on giving. That's probably why it's in the four, four, uh, four Gospels. The point is, is that God likes to use ordinary things to do extraordinary things. He likes to take ordinary people and and do extraordinary tasks through them. This little guy has the right kind of attitude that's ripe ground to make a difference and be a miracle. He, he gave willingly. He volunteered. He, maybe he didn't like his lunch. I don't know what the deal was, but, you know, he, he gave it. He gave it. He gave cheerfully. He doesn't record him moaning and complaining about what he gave. And he gave immediately. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't know what God's going to do with it, but he just goes ahead and he gives it. See, God's more interested in the attitude of our giving than he is in the amount. If you ever feel pressured to give or pressured to volunteer or pressured to do anything else, don't do it. Because it doesn't count. It doesn't count. The big scheme of things, it doesn't count. God loves cheerful, cheerful giving. Okay? So, and that leads us to the third lesson to make a difference. If you want to make a difference, take inventory, give God something to work with. Third thing is expect God to multiply it. Expect God to multiply it. Imagine this kid's mother's response. You did what? And Jesus did what? And how many people were fed? And son, what were you smoking? I thought that was real funny. It wasn't Denver. It was Galilee. It wasn't Denver. It was Galilee. Okay. (laughs) Go Broncos. Okay. And And so God has set up the world on the generosity principle. Here's what he says in Proverbs 11. He says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. He says, you know what? If you're generous with something, you'll, you'll get more back. Um, if you're generous with encouragement, guess what? You'll be encouraged. But the flip side works too. If you're generous with criticism, guess what you get? Lots of criticism. Lots of criticism. God set it up on a sowing and reaping principle. You always reap more than you sow. That can be a good thing or a bad thing. So God says, give me whatever you need and I'll multiply it. He loves doing the miraculous in our lives. And so, so that's the story. Now, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is very apropos to our congregation at Seacoast. Let me tell you why. Because we live in an area with about just in the Charleston area, about 600,000 spiritually hungry people. Would you agree with that? And so every, every weekend at our campuses and here in Long Point, 15,000, 16,000 people show up to one of our services and they say, feed me, feed me. And God says, you feed them. And we say, ow, that's impossible, especially here at Long Point. We don't have enough room. You know, 17 years ago, 1999, we expanded our current auditorium, the one that you're sitting in right now. We expanded from 500 seats to 1,300 seats. And uh, when we did that, there were 42,000 people that lived in Mount Pleasant. Now there's nearly 80,000 people. And most of them come to our Christmas Eve service. How many of you (laughs) came to the... Oh my goodness, let me tell you a story. Family's probably here. So Christmas Eve, one of the services 
it's packed here, it's packed in every room that we have, the whole place. And so I go upstairs just before I <coughs> preach, I just want to see what's going on. I went up to a hall that I never go to up in the children's area. There's a little television monitor on the wall, and there's like 15 people in chairs gathered around, dressed all really nice for Christmas Eve and all this. And, and I, I just start to apologize. You know, I said, I'm so sorry. Can I tell you, God will bless you. I promised all kinds of stuff, you know, for them <laughs> doing that. And the, the dad there says to me, he says, don't worry about it. We're in the manger. There was no room for us in the end. I thought, what a great, what a great attitude. But, you know, it... Um, and it's not even just the, the holidays. We have a women's conference coming up this week, you know, and uh, there's going to be 1,800 women here. And in November, we sold out of the women's conference for a January conference. And so we just... We, we need more space, and people say all the time, hey, this is a great problem to have, isn't it? And, and in some ways, absolutely. I mean, it, it's incredibly humbling, and it's amazing to be a part of a church that God's hand of blessing is on, and you continue to invite friends, and God continues to move in our midst, and that is incredibly, uh, it is a good problem to have, but it's not a good problem to keep having. Uh, you know, it becomes a stewardship well, somebody issue. Somebody just before we came here, came out, coming into this service, said there's no room, there's no room for us. And so they left. Yeah, that's, so and it happens over and over again every single weekend. And so I've kind of grown tired of, of this problem uh, because I feel like God has asked us to reach this community. Uh, a couple of years ago, Lisa and I were walking around downtown Charleston, and uh, there were just, if, it was like 1130, we hadn't eaten, we were having some meetings actually related to a, a church thing that we were doing. And so we walked out, and all of these restaurants that I was used to going to around 7, 8 o'clock at night eating in, there were lines of people, hundreds of people standing outside waiting to get in uh, to these, what had turned into bars, just waiting for someone to leave so that they could go in. And I felt like God asked me a question then, and I feel like He's still asking me the same question. Is Seacoast going to be a church for some of these people. Is Seacoast going to be a church? And, and I believe the answer is yes. I believe God's plan is for us to continue to reach people. But as it stands right now, we've got to do something if we're going to be able to continue to be a church where people feel welcomed and loved and encouraged to come and find, their, find a relationship with God. So, so we need a miracle. Um, I'm, I'm going to talk to you. Listen, if you're new here, this is your first week at Seacoast, we're glad you're here. This isn't normal. This is much more fun than we usually have, okay? We're, we're doing it di differently. This is a family talk. This is a family talk. We're just going to talk to the family about what we need to do. We're at a critical point in our history of our church. I've really just a few times in the church life have I kind of sat down and gone through some things like we're going to go through today. I'm very excited. I can't wait. But let me review just a little bit last couple of years. Is that all right? I want to talk about your generosity Josh, talk to us about, so, yeah, last, just, we decided last two years, what's going on? In the last two years, uh, several exciting things. One, we planted two new campuses. Uh, we planted a campus in McClellanville, which happens to be reaching about a fourth of their city, uh, which is a pretty big deal in McClellanville. We planted, uh, yeah, let's give it up for McClellanville. We're proud of you guys. We planted our Sea Island campus, which is out uh, on John's Island right now, and they're reaching about 300 people every weekend, and God is just doing some incredible things at the Sea Island campus. Uh, just a few months ago, we haven't even talked to you guys about this, but uh, about three years ago, we expanded our West Campus, and then just a couple of months ago, uh, the people who own the shopping center that our, our West Campus is in came to us and said, hey, we're selling the shopping center. We have a buyer that wants to turn the whole thing into a hotel, so we'll honor your lease until it's up, but then we're going to have to move, and we've just 
invested a lot in that campus and we've seen a lot of people be reached. And because of your generosity, we were able to go, you're selling, thank you, we'll purchase the, the shopping center so that we can stay here and continue to grow in the future. And so, um, so that's, that's incredible. Uh, Columbia, we've talked to you guys about this, but we, we desperately have needed a new location in Columbia for 10 years. They've been frustrated, closed doors. And uh, about a year and a half ago, an opportunity came up. Because of your generosity, we were able to jump on it right away, got them a new building, upfitted it. And, uh, and, and one year since they moved in, they moved in last year, uh, they've grown by 70%. They had over 500 people at our Columbia campus just last weekend. So really, really cool stuff we here. Paid, we paid cash for that building and upfitted it uh, because we were ready, because uh, you guys were generous. Um, church planting, you hear me talk a lot about the ARC. We started the church planting organization, ARC. And um, just in the last two years, uh, ARC, through ARC, we have planted 164 churches in two years, uh, two of which are Front Range Community Church in Castle Rock, Colorado, which Ernest Smith and a group, a team from here went to plant. They had over a thousand people at Christmas. Over a thousand people. Pretty cool. And uh, in Denver, that just doesn't happen. New churches, exciting things going on there. Uh, We we planted Metropolis Church uh, in Zurich, Switzerland, which is an exciting church. This weekend, we are planting five, or no, six, six more Life-giving church. Let me tell you about it. Leverage Church in Jacksonville, Florida opens today. Rock City Church, Upper Arlington, Ohio. Uh, Lake Hills Church in Clara, Alabama. Go Church in Denver, Colorado. Go Broncos. Uh, I, thought, I thought you were only going to say one thing about the Broncos. I am. Just go Broncos. Uh, <laughs> one Chapel in Kyle, Texas. And Driven Church in Braden, Florida are opening today. Let's just uh, let's give them a, a hand. Over the last two years, we helped launch a Bible app for kids that is reaching millions of kids. We helped launch that through your generosity. We helped fund a new church plant or facility in Sri Lanka. We helped build a a second medical clinic in Nicaragua that's fully functional, uh, self-sustaining. Uh, water projects in Togo sent 60 mission trips, over 60, to strategic locations around the world. We gave tens of thousands of dollars toward flood relief in South Carolina. Uh, you guys don't even know this, but we have an office set up across the street with uh, staff and volunteers to help em- Mother Emanuel AME Church get on their feet after the horrible tragedy that happened downtown. Um, just the Dream Center in the last year, 2015 alone, uh, we mentored 80 children with a graduation rate of 83%. We treated 6,000 patients at the medical clinic. We served 4,000 Thanksgiving meals. We gave out 600 dresses for prom, and we distributed 52 tons of food. I would say together we've made quite a difference. Yeah. Would you agree cool. with that? You know, um, there have been some frustrations, though, in the last couple of years. You know, specifically James Island campus. I was there this past weekend, and uh, we, we knew two years ago that we needed a new location for James Island. They've outgrown the one that they're in. Uh, we thought we had a deal, uh, and we, we were working towards a deal that was a long process, and it fell through at the very end. And so there have been some frustrations, and I realize that for James Island, uh, you know, we're still waiting for that right 
possibility. Somerville campus, uh, you know, you guys need new, new space. I've been there a couple times in the last month, and you guys are just busting at the seams, and God's doing some incredible things in Somerville, uh, and we just haven't got the right location. We thought we had, and then it fell through, and so there have been some frustrations. There have been some, they're not no's, uh, they're not yet's, and trust me, um, Columbia can, can share your pain. They know what it feels like. We at Mount Pleasant, you know, since 2001, you guys remember that you've told this story often about how we thought we were going to expand then, and it was a no. It turns out that it was a not yet. And the reality is, is that we talked about 15,000 people come every weekend. Over about half of them worship in the Mount Pleasant location, and, it, and we've got to do something to make space and to make room for the people that are here. Uh, because like you said, the city's doubled and uh, we just feel like God's called us to continue to grow and reach people, so. So are you ready? Let's imagine the future together, huh? Ready? One more thing. In 2006, I asked many of you to help create the future for our children. We were out of children's space and we were gonna build the Possibility Center which is right next door. How many of you uh, were a part of that. How many of you were a part of that in 2006? Okay, all right. You remember some of you gave for the very first time to our church. Others tightened your belt. You sacrificed. Some of you made a total faith pledge. I know Debbie and I did that. We just wanted to. We didn't have discretionary funds to do it. We just said, God, give us a number, and and then and then we'll trust you to figure that out. There were some people in our church that actually started businesses as a result of Imagine the Possibilities then so that they could give money toward it. God bless that. It's been kind of an exciting, exciting thing. And we helped to create a future for our children. And today, we're asking you to, to continue to help create that future. Josh, tell us about kind of how it impacted you. Well, you know, as I'm just thinking about all the things that we just talked about and the, the blessing that it is to be a part of the church right now and uh, the truth is every, every one of those things, every blessing that we're able to experience right now is because the prior generation sacrificed and made a way for us to do it. And, and so I remember in Imagine, uh, we didn't have any kids, Lisa and I, uh, but we prayed. That's the first time kind of as adults that we gave beyond what we would normally give, our tithes and, and offerings. We gave above that for Imagine. And since then, we've had three kids, and uh, our kids have grown up in this building, and they've experienced the ministry that's come out of that. One of them's been baptized, another's getting ready to be baptized, and, and <coughs> excuse me, little Ellie, she's two, she'll be hopefully baptized soon, but my, my family's been impacted by this, and uh, the reality is thousands of kids every single week are impacted because of this facility, because the generation before had faith to, to make room for them, but our children have become students. And uh, at the 1030 service right now in the, in the warehouse, I'll guarantee you, they're full. They've outgrown the warehouse. We gave the students the warehouse a couple of years ago, and they've grown. They've out, outgrown that. This past month, we had almost 1,000 students at our one night, our, our, our monthly service that we do for our students. And so here's what we want to do. We want to we want to continue to sacrifice for them. We want to give them our space. Uh, we want to free them up to turn this building that we're in right now in Mount Pleasant into the best state-of-the-art student center that's ever been built. And it's going to be awesome. They're excited. They're beginning to create some vision for that. We're going to turn the warehouse into expanded, renovated children's space so that we can make room for more students. And we're going to build their church for the future. We're going to build a 2,400-seat worship center that allows us to continue to reach the people here in Mount Pleasant. But more importantly for me, it's a church that our kids are going to lead into the future. Uh, our collective kids are going to be able to see their generation reached because of the sacrifice that will be made by this generation. So I'm a little bit excited about it. Yesterday morning, I was out during our prayer time and we walked. There's a, they'll tell you later about how you can do this, but it's, there's crosses where the stage will be. 
in the future auditorium. And I had my grandson, Miles, in one hand, and I had Greta Kate in the other hand, and we're walking together. And I was explaining to him, this is going to be this, this is going to be this, this is going to be the stage. And Miles said, Papa, someday I want to preach on that stage. <laughs> I just died. And then Greta Kate says to me, Papa, I want to be a worship leader. She said, I want to be a veterinarian singer. And I want, to, I want to sing on that stage. Would you like to see what it's going to look like? Let's take a look right here. Let's take a look. And I want to tell you something. I feel it and I sense it that when we are long gone, there will be tens of thousands of people who will come to this piece of ground and God's going to change their life because people like you had a vision to do this thing. I'm excited about it. there have been three times where the size of our facility has limited our ability to accomplish the vision that God has given us. Times where God has invited us to dream big and to pray bigger and to imagine what could be. Having not expanded our current worship center in 17 years, we find ourselves in a season where we're all out of room and God is calling us to imagine yet again. Exciting. Why don't we show a couple pictures, just kind of talk you through a little bit of what the building's going to be like. First of all, um, this is just kind of a picture of the exterior elevation. When we met with our architects, we told them, this is Seacoast Church. We don't want this to feel like uh, a big old box, a big theater. We want to represent the coast. We live in Mount Pleasant in this campus, and 
We want it to be a, a building that the city of Mount Pleasant is going to be excited about and that people are going to use all the time. In the front there, uh, we're going to move our cafe, so it'll be right here in the front. There'll be open seating indoors and outdoors for our cafe. We want that to be a place where people from the community can gather all week long. We're going to move our bookstore over there as well and uh, really want it to be a place when you walk in, it just feels like you've just come home. Uh, we really wanted to feel that way. And so that's that. If you, if you look at the next picture, it's kind of our site plan for the whole uh, space. Uh, we have Egypt Road on, on the far left side and Whipple Road's on the far right side. And that lighter shade of building is our current building. And so when you walk out the front doors of our current building, you'll actually walk uh, into the new foyer. It'll be a continuation of our current foyer. And the darker shade is what, where the new building is going to be, where all that new worship center space like we said, 2,400 seats, so it allows us to uh, potentially reach about four to 5,000 more people here in Mount Pleasant. You'll notice there are three additional curb cuts, uh, entrances and exits into the space. Um, th those, you can see the construction's happening right now for those. That's so that you guys will curse a little bit less when you leave church uh, and come to church. It's all about us helping you with your spiritual growth. Exactly, exactly. And then the next picture is just a little bit of the floor plan so that you can kind of have a, have a visual. So you'll, when you walk out of the doors of this current worship center, you'll walk right through a foyer by a cafe and a bookstore, and you can see where the 2,400-seat worship center is, where we can continue to grow and uh, experience God and, and, you know, reach people for Christ. So we we're excited And we about told it. them if you can make 2,400 seats intimate, that's what we want. So there's no balconies. It's all kind of uh, stadium seating, and uh, it'll, it'll be great. So somebody's asking, how much does it cost? $28 million. Now, here's the good news on that. We have all the money we need. The more challenging news is it's still in your wallets. And... Um, Yeah. And so my job is to extract it <laughs> by the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? All right? So let me tell you how it's going to work. Um, it's going to be about an 18-month building project, okay? So it starts uh, with uh, groundbreaking about Easter of this year, and it will be finished by Christmas of 2017. And um, we have trustees that guide us with the whole financial process of our church, business people in our church, men and women who are just incredibly brilliant in all of that. And uh, here's, here's the plan that they've given. First of all, we need $4 million by March 31st to break ground. So if somebody wants to stroke a check today, great, it'd be awesome. Here's the good news, here's the good news. Generous people have already given $2 million toward that. So we're just $2 million away from that particular goal. Um, and then by the end of the year, we need another $4 million. So we need $8 million this year. And that's what we're asking you guys to consider what, what can you be a part of. And then next year, we're going to need $5 million. And then we're, we're going to have a six-year payoff uh, on, on the remainder. And so that's kind of how that will work. Now, let me, let me uh, somebody else might be asking, why give to a project like this? There are so many great projects in the world. And uh, is this the best money we could spend for that? And uh, I would say yes. And let me tell you why. Because most things that you give to, good things, are consumed. You, you give it, it's a one-time thing, it's consumed. With the church, when you give to the church, the church continues to create solutions until Jesus comes back. I think it's the dollar is it's constantly working. Let me give you one example of this, just one way. Uh, you know, we plant churches, and I tell you that. And um, so a little bit of your money every week goes to plant churches. And uh, we've planted 550 plus churches in 14 years. 
And we train them. I get to train them to do what we do and give away at least 10% of your money to make a difference in the community and the world and all that. And, uh, and so just this past year, those churches that we planted together, th- this is without our church. This is the ones that we planted, gave $14 million to making a difference in the world to different projects, to building dream centers, to making wells, to anything that you can imagine. And this year they'll give at least $14 million. And as we continue, our goal is 2,000 churches. You, uh, what, what is it? We're at 500. You, you uh, four times more than that. I can't do the math, but some of you can, 15, 30, 30 uh, 60, right at $60 million per year will go toward making a difference. As we expand our facility and we reach more people, that's more resources to give to plant campuses, to, to do all of the things that, uh, that we do to, to make, make a difference, and it will happen until Jesus comes. And so here's our ask. Would you take a look at this um, little booklet that you got? It's on your chair uh, on the way in. And uh, I won't go through the whole thing. It's got a lot of the information that we have here that we've talked about here. You can also, here at the Long Point campus, you can also go out and on the wall, there's a whole wall with this and more information in both out, out here in our foyer and over by the children's area. But if you would look at this, the part that says be a part of the story. Okay, find that. Be a part of the story. Okay, there's a, on the, the opposite side of that, there's a picture and it says imagine what you could give. And that's what we're asking everybody to do. Just imagine. Imagine what part in the story that you could play. What do you have and what can you do with it? And there's some suggestions. uh, It's going to cost $250 per chair for, to be able to reach new people. And thank God they're not the chairs you're sitting on now. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a row, especially back here where they really squeeze together? You're in the middle of a row and you need to use the bathroom. Or you want to go to response time and you have to ask everybody, would you stand up, everybody go out so that you can go. We're going to have theater chairs where that you can actually move around. And I, for one, am excited about that. Now, Josh, talk, talk to me about Yeah, the chairs. students, and John will talk to you guys about that, but our, our student pastor, John Holm, uh, told me his vision is to have every student commit to a chair, $250 this year, uh, which would be about $125,000 that our students, our next generation, would contribute to the space that they're going to live in long term, which I think is a pretty cool vision, excited. I think they'll maybe even go past that, but pretty, pretty cool. Response stations, which are very much a part of what we do, about $500 per response station, maybe that's something. Parking spaces, $2,500. Now, that's actually a bargain because we use those four time, five times on the weekend, so you can divide that by five. But anyway, um, rows of chairs. Somebody said, what, what would a row of chair cost. Maybe you could buy a roacher. Guy last night said, tell me what a section would cost. I said, $350,000. So maybe I could buy a couple of sections. I said, I want to be your friend. Um, <laughs> people are so generous here. Mother's room, you know, there, there's all kinds of things on there uh, that you can see. There, we have a website uh, so that you, in case you lose this book, put, put the website up if you would. Uh, it is uh, imaginesecoast.org. It's at the bottom of the last page. And uh, go, go down to the commitment card. There's a commitment card in the back of your uh, booklet, and then there's also one on the website. Going up to the commitment card, there's a lot of different things in there to help you to kind of figure out where you are and 
what maybe you can do. Uh, click the com commit now. It's very, very similar to this. We just ask you to, you know, fill it out and then click the box or, or mark the box here. Yes, I want to be a part of the story. And I'll make a commitment to imagine 2016. We're asking for one year, one year commitment of X dollars. Don't do that today. Don't want you to do that today. I want you to pray about it. You know, don't, don't do a thing without kind of really connecting with God on, on what you ought to do. Uh, then I plan to give X amount by March 31st so that, that we can break ground. I plan to give X by December 31st. And, uh, and, and what we want you to do is just pray. We don't twist arms here. I fully believe that the resources needed to do what we need to do are available. And God will speak to each one of us. I'd love for all of us to be a part, but I'd love for you to pray as to, as to what you're going to do. In fact, we've been in a fasting and prayer season. We've been having early morning prayer, which has been really amazing. Yesterday's early morning prayer was historic. It really was. You, it was just un, unreal um, what we were able to, to see. And, and so we're on our last three days of early morning prayer, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Maybe you want to come. We're, we're, we're going to finish strong. I've asked the full band to be here to lead worship. We're going to pray. And some of you didn't realize that there are two six o'clocks every day, but there is. There's one in the morning and then one at night. And if you can come, come be a part of it. If not, that's fine. Sit down and talk to your family. Say, we're going to pray together over this. What does God want? We get to be a part you know, everything that we have is because somebody else sacrificed. We get to be a part of sacrificing for the people that come after us. And, and, and what can we do? And then in two weeks, we're going to gather back together here, and we're going to bring our commitments. If you've already done it online, that's great. We'll have a way for you to kind of do something here. But maybe you want to bring your commitment card with you two weeks from now, and, and we're going to commit together. And I believe we're going we're to be a part of a miracle that makes a difference uh, for future uh, generations that we're going to celebrate. So what's it going to take? It's going to take everybody taking inventory. What do I have and how am I going to use it? It's going to take everybody giving God something to work with. What can I do? We can do different things. You know, it's, it's going to take everybody expecting God to multiply it. What can, I, what can I believe God for? You know, you or I, either one, can do it all. We can't. But here's what I can do. I can take my loaves and my fishes, and I can give them to God. And who knows? Maybe we can be the hero of this story. Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing in the world today. God, we could have been born at any time in history and we could have lived anywhere in the world and yet you chose to allow us to be here now to be a part of a story that changes the world and makes a difference. And God, I pray that over the next two weeks that you would just help us to be listeners, to have open ears, prepare our hearts so that you can speak to us. God, I'm praying that your kingdom will come in each of our lives and your kingdom will come in this place. And we just give it to you. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.